We're actually uh, starting a series on our seven statements of faith, and the first one is actually about the Father. But since next Sunday is Father's Day, everybody knows that, right? I hope you've done your Father's Day shopping early. Uh, but since uh, next Sunday is Father's Day, I decided, no, nah, we need to talk about the Father that day. Uh, and I don't think he'll mind us talking about his son today. Uh, so would you stand with me and let's uh, read a passage of scripture. It's pretty familiar from Matthew chapter 19 together. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the, the truth and the power and the grace that are in your word. And I pray that they would be present here today and that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would rest upon every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Excuse me, I uh, uh, got a little stuffiness going on here. And you know, uh, sometimes you, uh, 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 things are kind of hard to press through and it's because God is kind of going, uh-uh, uh-uh. And sometimes it's because the enemy's going, I don't want that to happen. And I, I know which one it is in this case. He doesn't want this sermon preached. So here's the deal. Uh, I, if I go into a coughing fit and uh, strange stuff starts going into uh, napkins and things over here, you guys are going to deal with it, right? Amen. Yeah, because I am. And uh, we'll, just, we'll just do that together. Unfortunately, I am on the microphone, but they'll, they'll ride it up there, I'm, I'm quite sure. Uh, who is Jesus? That's not just a good question. That is the question. When you stand before God, that's the question. The, 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 the question isn't anything else about theology or anything. It's who is Jesus? Who is he to you? And so I've discovered over, uh, uh, well, I, I was going to say recently, but it's not just recently, really over 31 years now of pastoring, that there are a lot of Christians who are really kind of fuzzy about who Jesus is. Now, there may not be any of you, but more than likely, some of you are, are a little fuzzy yourself. And if somebody goes, you know, well, who is Jesus, or what do you think about Jesus, or what do you believe about Jesus, they really can't give an answer. And I can't imagine anything that is more important for you to be able to give an answer to than somebody asking who Jesus is. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Jesus certainly is the central figure in all of history. Uh, according to the Gregorian calendar, this is the year 2013. All of you are aware that we use the Gregorian calendar, right? Okay, something was funny about that. Uh, and uh, the reason why is because according to that calendar, 2000, and 13 years ago, Christ was born. Now, he wasn't exactly born in zero uh, the zero year, I was going to say zero B.C., but I guess it's also zero A.D. He wasn't exactly born then, but it was a good effort. I mean, they, they took a good shot at it and got as close as they could. The point is that they, 
divided it based on his birth. And so the terms before Christ, B.C., are the years prior to his birth, A.D., Anno Domini means the year of our Lord. Those are the years after that. And we're living in the year 2013, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. There's been a, a recent push lately to try and change these designations. And so you may have read some articles or books or anything, uh, something lately that uses the terms BCE and CE, Common Era before Common Era. And of course, the idea, I don't endorse that because the idea is to, is, is to kind of take the reference to Christ out of it. But even then, even then, both of those point to the fact that 2,000 years ago, something happened that brought a new era into the world. And what happened was Jesus Christ came into the world. He's the, he's the central point of history. And uh, just as people were confused about his identity 2,000 years ago, even so they are today, and, and they're confused in very much the same ways. Jesus said, who do people say I am? Well, some people say you're Jeremiah. Some people say you're one of, the, one of the prophets. It had been a long time since they had, uh, since the prophets had come along. It, it had been about 450 years since Malachi, who was the last of the Old Testament prophets. And 450 years is a long time ago. 450 years ago, uh, William Shakespeare was getting ready to be born. Uh, so that kind of gives you an idea of how long ago 450 years were. And the idea that a, that a prophet had come, in fact, the last major prophet... Ezekiel had been almost 600 years prior to this. The idea that a prophet had come along, that was a big deal. But even today, some people will go, well, who is Jesus? He's a great prophet. He's a great teacher. He, he's, he's, he's one of those back there. Some people say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Some people say that you're Elijah. Elijah was a special prophet. He, he wasn't just, <coughs> excuse me, another prophet. He was a special prophet. He worked a lot of miracles, for one thing. Not all, most, most of the prophets really didn't do much in terms of miracles, but it, Elijah did. He called fire down out of heaven. He uh, uh, split the, the Jordan River and walked across on dry land. He raised the dead. He, he did some pretty, some pretty cool stuff. And so, yeah, Jesus could kind of, kind of fit into that. And not only that, he was special in that he was the forerunner of the Lord. The Old Testament ends with these verses. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. So some people say that you're, you're one of the great prophets of old, and some people, say, some people say you're a special prophet. And there are a lot of people today who go, he's a special prophet. He's, he's right up there. He's up there with Moses and, and Muhammad and uh, Buddha. And he's, he's, he's one of the biggies. There's a lot of people who would say that today. And that's what people were answering in that day. <coughs> and then perhaps my favorite one. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Really? You, you mean the guy who baptized Jesus? You, you mean the guy whose disciples were upset because Jesus was winning more disciples than John was winning? You mean the guy whose head got cut off? And right before that, he sent followers to Jesus to say, are you the one? Some people thought he was John the Baptist. That's really weird. <laughs> and you know what? 
Today, a lot of people have some really weird ideas about who Jesus is. Hey, man, Jesus was a space alien. <laughs> Time-traveling space alien came to, came to Earth, did weird stuff. You know. uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus, Jesus was really Judas, and they, they had this conspiracy thing going on and all this. I mean, people have weird ideas about who Jesus is today, just like they did in those days. And in fact, most people today are probably more likely to have a weird idea than anything else, which really means they don't actually know anything about him. And even a lot of Christians, when asked, who is Jesus, the answer tends to be, uh... So let's, uh, let's clear this up, shall we? Article 2 of uh, our statements of faith, our seven statements of faith, say this. <coughs> Excuse me. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God and the unique revelation of God to mankind. He is supreme over and the rightful ruler of all things. We tried to put it as succinctly as we possibly could. The only begotten Son of God. wonder where that came from. Yeah, yeah, the Bible. Uh, can we get more specific th than that? Yeah, John 3, 16. Of course, that, most of us are aware of that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, is what most of the modern translations say, one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, the King James uses that word begotten. We don't use the word begotten much anymore. It's, uh, it's kind of an old word, but it's a good word, especially in this context, because you see, God has other sons. The Bible says that. Uh, the angels are called sons of God. Uh, there are several places where there are called sons of God. I, I'm just going to bring one up because that's not what we're focusing on here today. Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. That's from the King James. The modern translations would say, now there was a day when the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. The literal, the literal reading of that verse would be, and the day is that sons of God uh, come in to station themselves by Jehovah, and there doth also come the adversary into their midst. That's Young's translation. But they're clearly called sons of God. We, we are called sons of God. Those of us who have who given our lives to the Lord. In John uh, chapter 1, it says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, how did the angels get to be sons of God? He created them. He made them. How do we get to be sons of God? Well, he created us, but there's actually another step involved here. He redeemed us. And through faith in him, we become sons of God. How did Jesus become a son of God? Well, it wasn't either one of these things. He was begotten. Jesus wasn't created. Jesus wasn't redeemed. Jesus was begotten. He is literally the firstborn over all of creation, but he wasn't created. He was with God from the beginning. Some may think, well, you know, if he, uh, if he was begotten of God, okay, I get that. I understand how humans do this begetting thing. And some of us beget more than one. Why doesn't God 
Make some more Jesuses. I mean, we could use some more, couldn't we? It would seem like it. You know, if one Jesus is great, wow, let's have, let's have a dozen. You know, I mean, if one wife is great, doesn't always work, does it? Well, there's even another reason. There's, a, there, there's even another reason why, there's, why he's the one and only, only, only begotten son. And it's because Colossians 1.19 says, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. And when all of God's fullness is taken and put into Jesus, what's left to put into another? Unless Jesus is put in them. So he is the only begotten son of God. He's the only one. There's... The only one like he stands unique in that regard. And he's the unique revelation of God to mankind. There are other revelations of God to mankind. The creation is a revelation of God. When we look at the creation, it speaks to us about there being a a creator. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech Night after night they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes into all the earth, yet their words to the ends of the the world. It doesn't matter what language you speak. If you speak Swahili, if you speak Italian, if you speak English, if you speak Spanish, whatever it is, you look at God's creation and it says the same thing to you. He's here. Someone made all these. Someone put this together. And it's not just the, it's not just the skies. It's, it's all of creation. Uh, Romans 1.20, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. I mean, just left to our own devices, you take a, a child, leave them to their own devices, are you... Anthropologists, you go out into the, in, into the world, find a, find a culture that's been uncontaminated by outside forces, and you know what? They'll believe in God. They may not, they have a different name for him or some different ideas about him, but they know this just, this just didn't happen. He's here. So that's a revelation of God. The prophets come along, they're, they're revelations of God. Over in John chapter 5, Jesus was... Uh, arguing, I guess you'd say, with the, with the chief priest. And they said, hey, we don't know who you are. We're followers of Moses. And Jesus said, wait a minute. If you, if you believed Moses, you'd believe me. He wrote about me. He, he's, he's the one who wrote about me. Do you, do you remember him saying to Abraham, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed? That, that was me he was talking about. You remember the, where he talked about the father sacrificing the son? That was me. He was talking about where where Moses was saying God's going to send you a prophet like me and you have to listen to him that was me the prophets were a revelation from the Lord Hebrews 1 1 in the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways and and even even common grace in the world says over in Ecclesiastes 3 11 he has also said eternity in the hearts of men and unless it's been just 
covered up under the, the muck and the, well, the galleones. They just, they just uh, you, you went uh, Pompeii, right? Yeah, buried under 30 feet of ash and everything. A lot of people's lives are like Pompeii. I mean, you, you go along long enough and, and, and just get deeper and deeper and deeper, and the next thing you know, you're under 30 feet of ash and everything's dead. But if, if, if you got your head above the ash at all, something inside of you goes, there's more than this. This isn't all there is. There's something beyond. I was created for something beyond this. Not just to lie in the dust someday. Because God has placed eternity, a witness to himself, in the heart of every person. But Jesus is the unique revelation of God. Hebrews 3, well, chapter 1, verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. John 1, 18. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, the only begotten who is at the Father's side has made him known. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. <coughs> to see Jesus is to see God. On the night in which he was betrayed, uh, if you read in John, beginning chapter 13 through chapter 17, there are these, all these monologues and dialogues that he has with the disciples, and they're so, they're so instructive. And in, and in chapter 14, he's, he's saying to these, his disciples, he says, you know, from now on, you'll know God because you've seen him. And Philip gets all hot and bothered about that. He goes, yes, just show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And I got to feel like that had to be one of the lowest points of Jesus' life. Seriously, because here he had poured his life into, into these guys that he loved for three years, Philip being one of the first ones who came along, and to hear Philip say, oh, oh, now you're going to finally show us the Father. Wow, we really want to, and Jesus, you can hear his heart breaking as he says, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me? Even after I've been among you such a long time. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. He is the unique revelation, the unique expression of who God is. Jesus is not just another revelation of God. To believe that negates the claim to be a Christian. You can't own Jesus as your Savior and as God himself and allow that he's just one among many. He's, boy, he's one of the great prophets. Or even one among the few. You know, he's one of the biggies. No, that's not good enough. See, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's where the rub is. As, as, as we read Scripture... A lot of people believe that in, in the last days, toward the end, there'll be a lot of persecution of Christians. And some people believe it'll be a big revival, and some people believe it'll be a lot of persecution. I personally believe it'll be both at the same time, because that's what tends to happen when persecution comes. But uh, 
A lot of people believe there'll be persecution. The reason is because of this. Because to really be a Christian, you have to buy this. You have to own this. You have to go, look, man, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I love you. God loves you. I'm not trying to send you to hell or anything, but the only way to get to the Father is through Jesus. That, that's the only way to get there. And so that's, that's where the... You, you have to, you have to ex- understand that he is a unique expression of God. Well, did Jesus claim to be God? And every now and then, you know, you'll hear somebody will come along and go, well, Jesus never actually said that he was God. Please. Did Jesus ever claim to be God? Uh, that would be a big yes. Now, you know, he did use cryptic language most of the time because there's a time and a place for revelation. I mean, Jesus didn't come busting in to, uh, you know, to, the, to, to the next village and go, hey there, God here? You didn't know I was this cool, did you? But I've come, come down to meet you, and, and I'm, hey, I'm God. That doesn't work. Even as a pastor, I, I've seen that, because once somebody finds out I'm a pastor, the relationship shifts. It changes. Somebody that, you know, I've just come to meet, you know, once they go, well, what, what do you do? And you know what? I love it because I'll go out on the golf course and I love it when they put people with us that I don't know. And you know, one of the things that I always ask them, I, I, I always ask them, well, what do you do? What kind of work do you do? You know, and they'll tell me what kind of work they do. You know what they never ask me? What kind of work do you do? I think they're afraid I'm an insurance salesman. And in some ways, <laughs> but if, if they do happen to find out that I'm a pastor, you can see, you can see that look come over their face. And it's like, what have I said to this guy? Okay. Is God listening to this conversation? And so Jesus, yeah, I mean, he didn't just come out and go, hey, I'm God, everybody. But for one thing, they couldn't they, they, they wouldn't know what to do with that I mean when he did something great they'd try to make him a king well he wasn't gonna let them make him a king because if you if they can make you a king then they can break you as king and they didn't understand what his kingdom was about anyway I mean he had to kind of walk on a fine line here when he was talking about things so yeah he, he spoke kind of cryptically uh, I think he was fairly clear over in John 10 30 when he said I am the father or one that looks pretty clear to me but you know I can see somebody kind of arguing with that well he's not really necessarily saying that he's God but okay sitting aside all of the the what did he really mean statements there's one unmistakable fact that seals his claim to being God and we practiced it this morning and that is he accepted worship he accepted worship and he's the only one in scripture well I say he's the only one in scripture the only one who could do that and get away with it over in Acts chapter 12 Herod goes to speak to some some of the citizens who were uh, from a town that had, that had conflicts with Herod and their food supply was dependent on him and so you know he came to make a speech and they they were trying to make nice to him, and he makes his speech, and they go, oh, this is a God. 
This is the voice of a God. I believe he's a God. You know, and Herod, instead of going, no, I'm not a God, you know, was kind of going, well, you know, there might be a little divine, you know, actually sort of going on here. God killed him. Slow and painfully, but beginning right there. He killed him for doing it. None of Jesus' disciples would accept worship. When, when Peter came to, uh, to Cornelius' house, Cornelius, you know, fell down on his knees before him, and Peter goes, no, 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 wait, wait, no, we're not, that's not, uh-uh, up, up, up. Yeah. When uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas were at Lystra, they healed a man, or they, in the name of Jesus, a man was healed, and the people got so excited that they, they tried to offer sacrifices. To, they thought they were gods. They thought the gods have come down among us. And as soon as, as soon as Paul and Barnabas understood what it was that was going on there, they tore their clothes and they ran in the middle of them and went, no, no, wait, that's not what this is about. You don't worship us. Jesus, on the other hand, had no problem accepting worship. In fact, it, it started at the very beginning. Uh, well, uh, one other thing. Does anybody recognize what that probably Ten Commandments? Anybody know what the first one is? You think Jesus knew that one? Yeah, I think he did. But from the very beginning, I mean, the, the wise men came to worship him when he was a baby. And, I, you know, he really couldn't have a whole lot to say in that. But when he, when he stilled the sea... When he spoke to the winds and waves and it had to stop, it says they worshipped him. In John chapter 9, when he healed the man who was born blind, the guy worshipped Jesus. Jesus led him. And then Thomas, after Thomas put his, his, his finger in the nail prints in his hand, he fell down before him and he worshipped him. And you know what he said? He said, my Lord and my God. And he was not saying it in a profane way. He was saying it as a confession. And Jesus didn't go, wait a minute, Thomas, you're you're kind of stepping over the line there. No. Jesus led him. Because Jesus was God. Now, here's here's the thing. There's only three options. If If Jesus accepted worship, if he accepted that, then one of three things is going on. He's either the devil who tries to usurp the worship of God, or he's a very foolish man, or he's God. Did he claim to be God? Yeah. Yeah, he did. To think that he was good but not God is to simply be ignorant of the most fundamental knowledge of him because good people don't go around going, I'm God. Okay, other side here. Let's get real quickly. Supreme over and rightful ruler of all things. Colossians 1, 17, 18. I think I've read this the last two times that I've, that, that I've spoken. He is before all things in him. All things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. When Christ returns to earth, it will not be as a usurper. We, 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 uh, 
we read it in the creed, he will come to judge the quick and the dead because it belongs to him. He, he has the right to do so. When Christ lays claim to a person's soul, it is not as a usurper. He, he created us. He redeemed us. What we are, we've, we've been singing it all morning. It, we belong to him. It, and we rightfully belong to him. Even those of us who won't give ourselves to him rightfully belong to him. Read the prophet Hosea. God told the prophet Hosea to marry an unfaithful wife. It's quite an assignment. And he did as she was unfaithful. Ran off with another man and then God came back to him later and said, okay, now go and redeem her. Go and, go and buy her back. Your wife. And he did it. Well, what, what's that all about? Because that's how, that's how we are to God. We, we're his by right, but we won't give ourselves to him. But he redeems us anyway. Oh, the depth of the love that he has for us. How, how, how thick, how strong, how incredible that is that he has for us. Holy, holy, holy Lord, the earth is yours. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Let's close with this. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Outside of this building, and hopefully outside of your homes, I dare say that the vast majority of the time that you hear the name Jesus spoken, it is not an act of worship. It is not an act of adoration. When the name of the prophet Muhammad or when Allah is used in anything other than a reverent way, much of the Islamic community goes off. And uh, why don't Christians react that way? Well, in the first place, you know, maybe we should a little bit. I mean, not kill people, you know, and turn buses over and burn cars and things, but be more proactive about that name that what it used to be we used to have a culture where people were, were pretty proactive about that name <laughs> now the reason we don't totally go off is because we don't have to we're not the one who established it God established it we can't do anything against the truth only for the truth I mean the truth stands it it, it is it is what it is and those who misuse the name of Christ do so out of ignorance and pain and and the wickedness in their hearts. In other words, exactly the kind of people that he came to save. But here's something that we might want to consider. You know, if you're, if you're out and the name, the name gets used in one of those ways, one of those sliding ways, if not totally profane ways. You know, you don't have to like hit them in the nose or anything. But how about just... Uh, 
You know, I, I couldn't help, you know, when you said that, when you said that name, it means something very different to me than it means to you. Uh, you know, there might be some conversations that would be ready to open up there. Might, might be, a, 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 you know, what the enemy has used to try and, and, uh, and bring degradation into a situation. God can absolutely turn that thing, flip it. You know, all of a sudden the enemy's going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, how did we get here? Well, you started it. You brought the subject up. Hey, you go, well, people aren't going to like me if I do that. Oh, they don't, they don't like you anyway. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't do enough stuff for them to really like you. You, know, you, don't, you don't hang out at some of the places where they want to hang out for them to really like you. Yeah. And you'd be surprised because you'd be surprised how many times what you'll find is a thirsty, hungry, hurting soul that has absolutely no idea who this person, Jesus, is, whose name they've just used in that way. And actually, not everybody, believe it or not, wants to be ignorant. Some people would actually like to have some enlightenment brought into their lives. Because make no mistake about it, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, and let me just close with this one other thing. If you know him, if you know him, if you know who he is, if, he's, if he is God to you, if he is the only begotten, if he is your Savior, if he is your Lord, you didn't just figure that out on your own. It wasn't just because mommy and daddy told you. I mean, it's great that mommy and daddy told you, but that's not, there's plenty of people that mommy and daddy told that don't get it. It wasn't just because you heard the preacher say it. There's plenty of people who hear the preacher say it who don't get it. If you get it, it's because the Father revealed it to you. Same way Peter got it. It's because the Holy Spirit was in there making something happen and grasping it and bringing that revelation into your heart. And so when you're out there and you're talking to somebody, you have no idea what's going on. I mean, they may look like the least likely candidate on the face of the earth. And they say something about Jesus, and you go, would you like to know him? And, and, and the Holy Spirit's just in there going, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to make it happen. You can't make it happen. All you can do is share it. All you can do is sow the seed, throw it out there. Because they belong to him. He created them and he redeemed them. And he wants them. Would you stand with me? Holy, 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 holy Lord, the earth is yours and
are going to minister to people come forward at this time if you don't know Christ as your Savior and if there's something inside of you that's kind of going I think there's something I think there's something here I think there's something real that's the Holy Spirit that's the Holy Ghost that's that's God coming after you would you give your life to him I mean you're not doing anything but wasting it anyway Give your life to him. He's got, he's got a deal. And if you don't know yet that the road that you're on is a dead end one, you'll find out soon enough. Well, hopefully soon enough. But it is. I mean, there may be money on it. There may be poverty on it. There may be good times. There may be bad times. But it's a dead end. Give your life to him. There is no end. There is no end. If you do know Christ, and most of you do, but you're here today and you 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 have a need, uh, we will pray for you. The altar's open. Whatever it may happen to be. Uh, you know, if you want the God of Angels armies called in on the situation, this is how it gets done. You uh, you ask, you pray. So we're going to worship for a few moments and you come.
Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is exalted above all things, His word and His name, may you be worthy of that name. May you, may you bear it gracefully and powerfully. May you use it as He has intended you to. And may you bring life to those you encounter in this week to come. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.